Welcome to you wherever you are at, whomever you're with. We are so very glad that you are here with us for a few moments this weekend before we jump into a brand new teaching series. I do want to reference this uh, wonderful resource called the U version. In fact, uh, I'm going to give you a few passages to read that will help you track with this new series. And uh, also, uh, if you search under events, you'll find a complete set of notes for this message. Likewise, when you're in your favorite podcast player, you can search for Arlington FM Church, and there you will find all of our teaching content. Well, uh, we are starting, as I said, a brand new series today, and we're calling it Uncommon Sense, uh, learning uh, to live in the wisdom and power of God's Spirit. You know, most of us are familiar with common sense. In fact, uh, just to kind of uh, test your brain acuity, uh, you're probably familiar with these sayings, and you could finish them quite easily. Here's the first one, a stitch in time. Yeah, you know it, saves nine. Uh, how about this one? An ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. Uh, how about this one? A penny saved, you're thinking, uh, isn't much. <laughs> well, the, the rest of the wisdom saying is a penny saved is a penny earned. Uh, how about this one? A bird in the hand uh, could be a dangerous thing, uh, but the end of the saying says uh, is worth two in the bush. And uh, this one, a friend in need is kind of annoying. No, a friend in need is a friend indeed. Well, uh, those and many more sayings remind us that there's a lot of common sense wisdom that we can live and incorporate uh, into our lives. But this series isn't about common sense. It's about uncommon sense. And we're going to talk about a wisdom that comes from God. In fact, uh, one of the Proverbs in the Old Testament says, the fear of God or the respect or the honor of God is the beginning of wisdom. Aside from all the very beneficial and helpful earthly wisdom, uh, there is a wisdom that comes from God that supersedes, that goes beyond uh, what is common. And uh, in fact, uh, to kind of get us into this series, I want you to uh, hear uh, the content of the Apostle Paul's prayers for, from, for some friends of his who had begun to follow Christ. And uh, here is what he asked God to do in them to expand their experience of, of God and his work in their lives. He says, since the day we heard about you, we've not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. I hear those words again because they kind of form the foundation uh, of our series. Uh, Paul is asking God to fill them with the knowledge of God's will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit uh, gives so that they may live a life that is worthy of the Lord Jesus and please him in every way. And, uh, you know, as you see those words, hear those words, I want to ask you a question. Uh, could you see any value at all in living a life that is worthy of Jesus? That word worthy actually means equal in weight, uh, balancing, you know, the glory of who Jesus is, that our lifestyle reflects uh, his goodness, his power, and uh, his salvation. Uh, do you see any value in living a life that is worthy of Jesus and one that might please God in every way possible. Well, as you ponder that, you know, here are some of the ways that uh, the Apostle Paul uh, said that, that lives itself out. 
uh, how a life that is worthy of Jesus and pleases God in every way, what that actually looks like. He says it's a life that is uh, bearing fruit in every good work. In other words, uh, everything we uh, aspire to do that is helpful, that is beneficial, that is serving of others, that it would produce the life of God, that God would be in those actions and those transactions. And, uh, you know, one that is worthy of Jesus, that pleases God, bears fruit in every good work. And Paul says, uh, is growing in the knowledge of God, that uh, our experience of God isn't stagnant, doesn't plateau, uh, every up and down of life, day in, day out, new seasons, uh, you know, the challenges, the successes, in all of that, a life that is worthy of Jesus and pleases God is constantly growing in the knowledge and experience of God. And then uh, Paul says, it's one that is being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. Uh, that's a life that is worthy of Jesus, that is fully pleasing to God. And then finally, the apostle Paul would say, uh, when we're living a life that is worthy of Christ, that pleases God, we're giving joyful thanks to God who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of his holy people. Well, I would submit to you that if you were living that kind of life, you would not only be happy, but uh, you would be uh, very uh, pleased if people said that about you at your memorial service, you know, as they uh, reflected on who you were and the kind of impact you had in the world that you bore fruit in every good work, that you constantly were growing in the knowledge and experience of God, that you were strengthened with the power of God to live a life successfully, and that you were a joyful and a happy person. Well, here's the key. Uh, according to Paul's prayer, uh, this is what jumpstarts a life that is worthy of Jesus and that pleases God in every way and has all of these amazing attributes. It starts with... Uh, receiving the wisdom and understanding that comes from the Spirit of God. That's Paul's prayer, is that, that something would open the hearts and minds of these Christ followers, where they would be receptive uh, to the teaching, to the leading, to the guidance of the Spirit of God that would fill them with an awareness of the will of God. You know, uh, what Paul is saying, really, in a nutshell, is they would become so uh, amazed by the good intentions of God that it would catalyze this really uh, worthy life, a life that pleases God and has all these wonderful uh, consequences to it. You know, uh, you might say it like this. When we open up to the Spirit, the Spirit opens our eyes to see the wonderful will of God, and that changes our lives when we see the good the perfect, the pleasing will of God, that he has nothing but good intentions for those who put their hope in Christ. It motivates us, it releases us, and it uh, puts us into this stream of life that is good and pleasing and fruitful and meaningful. You know, you can look at a couple of the Psalms, Psalm 139, where David marvels at the, how numerous God's thoughts are towards him. The plans and purposes blow him away. You know, we looked uh, several weeks ago at a passage in Revelation chapter 5 where uh, John is allowed to see this scroll that has writing on both sides and yet it's sealed 
No one on earth or above the earth or under the earth could open it. And then one looking like a lamb who had been slain, Jesus, uh, risen from the dead, uh, takes this scroll and opens it up. And we saw that as a symbolic picture of the comprehensive will of God for our lives. And once we begin to uh, catch a glimpse of that good, perfect, and pleasing will, it changes us, changes the way we live, raises our expectations and our experience of God working in us. It's kind of like this. Uh, Paul wrote in another of his letters uh, to his friends in Corinth. He says, look, what, what no eye has ever seen, what no ear has ever heard, what no human mind has ever conceived of. Uh, now he's, he's, he's putting his finger on uh, what he's alluding to, the things God has prepared for those who love him. In other words, you can't figure these things out by thinking harder. It's not something that uh, human wisdom allows us to uh, comprehend. Uh, but then this amazing statement, uh, these things that no, uh, no ear has heard, no eye has seen, no human mind has ever conceived, these are the things God has revealed to us by his spirit. And, uh, you know, this is exactly what Paul is praying for, uh, that by God's spirit, our minds would open, our hearts would be enlightened, and we would begin to see uh, just how wonderful God's will is for everyone who sets their hearts on Jesus Christ. Uh, Paul will say uh, of these things that um, uh, what we have received is not the spirit of this world, but the spirit who is from God uh, for this reason, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. You know that word understand? That means putting together a truth that is grand, grandiose, uh, putting it together with the practical everydayness of our lives. And, and Paul is saying uh, this is uh, God's intention, is he has given us uh, his very spirit so that the things that our eyes can't see, our ears can't hear, our minds can't even comprehend, uh, the spirit uh, comes uh, to show us the things that God has freely given us. And, uh, you know, that'll change the way you live. And uh, here's the truth uh, about uh, this gift of God's spirit that is meant to open up to us his incredible will that inspires us, quickens us, uh, and motivates us uh, to live lives that are worthy of Jesus, uh, that are bearing fruit in every good work, and all of those wonderful uh, beneficial uh, consequences. Uh, it's the Spirit that catalyzes that life, and that this gift of God's Spirit is for every single believer who ever says yes to Jesus Christ. It's not exclusive. It's not for those who... Uh, you know, have spent decades applying themselves to religious truth. It's the free gift of God for everyone who puts their hope in Christ. Uh, love in Acts chapter 2, it's the very first public proclamation of the good news and that God became man, submitted himself to death, uh, really fulfilled, uh, Jesus fulfilled his calling to be the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He's now risen from the dead, and Peter is proclaiming this wonderful truth. And uh, as those who hear it were among the crowds that put him on the cross, 
their hearts were pierced. They realized uh, they'd blown it big time. And they asked the question, uh, brothers, what should we do? And now that we've failed so dramatically and called for his crucifixion, and now that we know he's the son of God, risen from the dead, and here's Peter's reply. He says, here's what you should do. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you, for your children, and for all who are far off, for everyone whom the Lord, our God, will call. And see, uh, here's uh, the point uh, that Peter is making, is that when we put our hope in Christ, uh, God uh, responds not only by forgiving our sins, but giving us this incredible gift of the Holy Spirit that opens our minds, that enlightens our hearts, and that empowers us to live lives that are worthy and pleasing to God. And, uh, you know, uh, here's the really the heartbreaking reality is uh, there are many followers of Christ, people who believe the good news of the gospel, uh, who don't live in the empowerment of the Spirit of God, which is the gift of God for everyone who has faith. I hear those words again. The really tragic reality is that there are many people who, who believe in Christ, believe the good news of the gospel, and yet have no inkling uh, what the Spirit comes uh, to enable them to do, to see, to apprehend. And so uh, you have Paul praying constantly that through the wisdom and understanding that only the Spirit can give, uh, that they would uh, change their uh, experience of salvation and, and begin to be filled with the knowledge of the will of God. It, it's kind of like this. In Acts chapter 19, uh, the Apostle Paul is traveling uh, through um, Mes Mes the, the Macedonian uh, Peninsula, and uh, he says, we're told, uh, Acts chapter 19, verse 1, while Apollos was in Corinth, uh, Paul took the road through the interior, and he arrived at Ephesus, and there he found some disciples, and he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they answered him, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. You know, this is, a, this is quite an interesting uh, interaction. And uh, as Paul engages with these uh, people who uh, said they had responded to the good news, they'd become followers of Jesus Christ, uh, Paul asked them interesting question, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And uh, they said, we did not even know that there was a Holy Spirit. And you have to wonder what it was that prompted Paul to ask this question, uh, did you encounter the Holy Spirit that brings understanding, that fills you with the knowledge of God's will. You know, what were they missing? Uh, was it an absence of joy? Was it a lack of understanding? Uh, were they more interested in the common things of life than they were the mighty and powerful workings of God through Christ? Uh, were, they, uh, were they angry? Were they bitter? Were they disheartened? Were they disappointed? Were they flatlined? Whatever it is, you know, Paul was seeing something obviously missing in their experience of salvation. I think of some of Paul's other letters where he writes about 
uh, the, the uh, evidence of the Spirit at work in Christ's followers. He says in Galatians chapter 5, the fruit or the evidence, uh, the outward look of the Spirit in our hearts is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. These, Paul says, are all uh, the outward evidences of the inward work of the Spirit of God. And uh, as Paul uh, notices uh, something obviously missing in the lives of these followers, he asks them point blank, uh, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And uh, their obvious answer was no. We did not even know this was part of our salvation. Well, uh, all of that to say in this series, uh, we're going to lean into the gift of the Holy Spirit, uh, the Spirit of God uh, that uh, is a free gift to anyone who puts their hope in Christ. We're going to look at some of the amazing things that the Spirit uh, wants to do in our lives, wants to help us with, wants to empower us uh, to live out. And uh, I want to say this uh, before we go any further in this series. Uh, I'm committed uh, to a core value. Uh, another church uh, friend of mine leads, and uh, here's one of their purpose statements or their core values. No weird stuff. And, uh, you know, if uh, talking about the Spirit of God, the God's Spirit poured out upon followers of Christ uh, is unsettling to you, or maybe it brings associations with uh, strange uh, people teaching strange things and advocating strange experiences, we're not going to go there. In fact, we're committed to not uh, doing anything that smells like human fabrication or, you know, uh, quest for emotional experiences. However, we're going to look at the Bible. We're going to see what Jesus himself taught about this gift of God's Spirit to people who are forgiven and who want to follow Christ in a worthwhile way and want their lives to be pleasing to God. If, uh, if you have a Bible, if you have the U version on your phone or your device, over the next few weeks, I'm going to encourage you uh, to read uh, specifically the Gospel of John, chapters 14, 15, 16, and 17. Uh, in those chapters, uh, Jesus teaches some wonderful things about the gift of God's Spirit, which will be available uh, to anyone who puts their hope in Him. And uh, what I want to do this weekend is just read you a, a smattering, some of the high points of what Jesus taught about the gift of God's Spirit to all those who believe. Uh, we'll start John 14, verses 15 through 17. He says, uh, now, by the way, uh, Jesus speaks these words to his disciples as he's preparing to go to the cross. He's about to end his earthly mission. He's going to pay the penalty for our sin, be raised from the dead, and ascend uh, back to the Father. And uh, so here in preparation for that, he says, if you love me, uh, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate. Advocate means someone who's with you, who comes alongside you to help you do the things you would like to and need to do. Uh, he will give you another advocate to help you, and he will be with you forever. And who I'm talking about, Jesus said, is the spirit of truth. Uh, John 14, verse 16 
He says, look, I will not leave you as orphans. Uh, think about that uh, a plight in life, a being without guidance, without protection, without provision. Uh, Jesus said, I will not leave you like that. I will come to you. Uh, John 14, verse 26, uh, Jesus uh, says, this advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything that I have said to you. In other words, he will, he will uh, open up the truth to your understanding and your experience. He will fill you with the knowledge of God's will so that you can begin to live a life that is informed and empowered. He says in chapter 15, verse 26, when, uh, when the advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. In other words, he'll remind you of the wonder of the person of Jesus and what he is up to in the world and in your life. Uh, John 16, verse 7, Jesus says, Very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away, that I'm going to uh, be ascended back into heaven. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And then finally, John 16, verses 12 and 13 uh, Jesus says, I have much more to say to you. There's a lot more I want to uh, inform you of. I want to open your mind and your understanding to things that no human can grasp uh, because uh, they come from God. And uh, Jesus said, I have much more than you can even bear now. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. You know, have you ever been somewhere where you were... Uh, completely dependent upon a guide. Uh, I once uh, took a business trip to Tokyo, Japan, and uh, over the period of uh, about four days, uh, I had meetings all over the city of Tokyo with high-level um, technology officers. Uh, I visited uh, with a VP of technology for Japan Railways, uh, Japan Airlines, a number of pharmaceutical companies, and I had to go all over that city meeting uh, at specified times, I never could have got where I needed to go without a guide. And uh, it was so uh, comforting to have someone with me who, who knew where I needed to go and, and knew how to get me there. You know, that's just kind of an earthy picture of this idea that when the Spirit of God comes to us, one of the things he will do is guide us into the truth into our experience of Jesus and what he has for our lives. You know, uh, maybe you're like one of those uh, disciples this morning. Uh, you believe the truth about Jesus, but you didn't even know that there was a Holy Spirit, this gift of the Spirit that would do all these amazing things to open up uh, your mind and your heart and your life uh, to the beautiful will of God that results in a worthwhile and pleasing life. And, uh, you know, maybe... Uh, you're someone who's just kind of uh, grown uh, somewhat uh, cold or uh, maybe even just taking for granted this precious gift of God that comes to be the presence of Jesus in our lives. And uh, I want to uh, bring you back. Uh, in fact, I want to let the Word of God bring you back to an active and engaged experience uh, with the presence of Jesus through the gift of his spirit to you. And uh, listen to this uh, account of a healing of someone who uh, 
was out of touch with what they needed to see clearly. And uh, maybe you'll find some points of contact in your own spiritual journey. Uh, we're told that uh, Jesus and his disciples came uh, to a place called Bethsaida. And uh, some people brought a blind man and they begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and he led him outside the village. And this is kind of significant as this healing takes place is that uh, Jesus led this man uh, outside of what was familiar, uh, away from what he had depended on, and uh, took him to a place where he had only the hand of the Savior uh, to hold on to and to grasp. And I think that, you know, it's both a vulnerable place to be and it's an incredibly good place to be because it sets us up uh, for uh, wonderful things to come uh, from the hand of Christ. And uh, we're told then uh, something rather unusual. When Jesus had spit on the man's eyes, and, uh, you know, we just got to chalk this one up. Uh, this was a different time in history. They didn't have all the medical procedures and practices that we have. And uh, one of the things they believed is that saliva actually had some healing virtues, and who knows why uh, Jesus did this, but probably to awaken uh, a sense of anticipation of faith in this blind man. But we're told that when he had spit on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, uh, Jesus asked him an interesting question. Do you see anything? It literally, uh, the Greek language uh, it would go like this. How are you seeing? Uh, how, are, how are the eyes working right now? And uh, here's how the man responded. He looked up and he said, uh, I see people, but they look like trees walking around. Uh, you know, there's a lot you could read into that. He's definitely seeing better, but he, he's wondering, is this it? Uh, is there more? Should I, should I be seeing things a little differently? And again, that's a wonderfully honest response. I see people but it's not quite clear. They look like trees walking around. And so once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes, and then his eyes were opened, his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. And Jesus sent this man home saying, don't even go in to the village. And again, you have to wonder why this was a part of his follow through. Don't go back. To what was familiar, uh, you're, you're going somewhere new. Uh, there's God has done a new thing in you, and it's all about your future rather than your past. Well, uh, as I lead us in prayer, you know, maybe uh, whatever your experience of faith, your response to Christ is, uh, I know God wants more for you. He wants to capture your heart. He wants to open your mind to things you couldn't conceive of on your own. Uh, things you can't grasp with your own understanding. He wants to capture your heart with the beautiful will and intention of God for your future, for your life. And uh, according to Paul's prayer, once we catch that, uh, it motivates us, it excites us, it releases us, us, it liberates us uh, into a life that is worthy of Christ, that is pleasing to God, that is filled with good things. Uh, Father, thank you. Uh, for your good intentions, uh, for every person you ever created in your image, Lord. I pray if there's anyone hearing this message uh, this weekend who, who has never called upon the name of Jesus to forgive them, uh, to make them a new person, Lord, uh, that in the simplicity 
of their own response to you, uh, would you affirm that faith? Would you uh, communicate what only you can, that because of the finished work of Christ, your sins are forgiven when you call upon him? Uh, but Lord, uh, don't let it stop there. Uh, let there be this openness, this receptivity to the gift of your spirit, uh, the advocate, the comforter, the teacher, the guide, who is the presence of Jesus at work in our lives. Uh, Lord, uh, maybe as you're hearing this message, uh, you relate uh, to this blind man who was touched, said, yeah, you know, things are better, but there's still some things missing. Uh, maybe it's that joy. Maybe it's that uh, peace, that patience, that kindness, that goodness, all of the evidences that God is at work on the inside uh, through his spirit. Uh, Lord, we would just open ourselves up uh, to your influence, to your leadership. Uh, give us eyes that see you. Give us ears that hear your voice. Give us hearts that respond uh, to the leadings of your spirit. Uh, cultivate in us uh, the, the hearts of learners uh, over these next few weeks and let us uh, welcome the gift of your spirit, we pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.